Welcome to PwC's Next in Health podcast. I'm Ben Isger, leader of PwC's Health Research Institute, and I'm here today with Trina Sideros, who leads HRI's Regulatory Center. Hi, Trina. Hi. Hey, Ben. Great to be here. Well, thanks for being here. And today we're going to cover a vaccines update. So kind of a vaccines update for non-science majors. What's happening out there? And I thought maybe we could start with just at the highest level, what's some of the new news about vaccines that people should be thinking about? Yeah, uh, it's an amazing week for vaccines, for in particular the COVID vaccine. So here we are at the end of September, and we have an enormous amount of news coming out about the SARS-CoV-2 vaccine. In particular, the Department of Health and Human Services has published its distribution plan for vaccines. The FDA is reportedly planning to raise the bar for an emergency use authorization for a SARS-CoV-2 vaccine, making it more likely that a vaccine will be authorized if one is found to be safe and effective toward the end of this year or even into 2021. We've got uh, news that a fourth company has kicked off its phase three trial for its candidate. And this one in particular won't need a booster, most likely, or ultra-cold storage. And then we've got a flurry of public health experts warning about the sort of tamping down expectations about what a vaccine could potentially do, kind of warning us that the pandemic doesn't end the minute the FDA authorizes a vaccine. And then finally, we have this flurry of companies releasing their trial protocols, which is really unusual. We usually don't get to peek inside like this, but four companies this week released their trial protocols. And that tells us a lot about the the phase three trials that are being run. So a huge amount of news to absorb this week about the SARS-CoV-2 vaccine candidates that are coming out and what the government is planning in terms of regulating them and distributing them. Well, you mentioned four different major vaccine uh, trials underway, and maybe just a little bit about them. What you know, do they? What what type of um, vaccines are there, and and what should we be thinking about as those move through? Yeah, so we've got information about these four. Two of the vaccine candidates are genetic vaccines, and two of them are viral vector vaccines. So we've got this sort of uh, group of them, and they are these companies are doing trials involving thousands and thousands of people. One of the trials, the one that we just heard about this week, is planning to enroll 60,000 people. Another, that one of the genetic vaccines is looking for 30,000 people for two doses. It has a two-dose regimen. And then the other genetic vaccine has 44,000 looking to enroll. And then the other viral vector vaccine has 30,000. So it's a tremendous number of people that these companies are looking to enroll. Vaccine studies tend to be this large, of course, because it's very important to determine safety and efficacy as with all pharmaceuticals. But in particular, if you're going to be injecting these into healthy people, you really need to know, understand all of the potential adverse events and and who it, it is meant for and, and who it works best in. So we've got these large uh, trials underway. And, and like I said, we also got a sense of when the data safety monitoring boards that are overseeing these trials will be looking at the data to see, um, do kind of an interim analysis to see where they are in terms of, of efficacy and safety. And so we know that in some cases, one of the companies is having an interim analysis at 32 cases. And so they might get a kind of an early look 
at what's going on with their vaccine candidate. So that's what we're seeing. And it'll be very interesting to hear over the next few months, the amount of transparency around the trial protocols is very encouraging for those that want to sort of see what's going on as we go forward. Um, And we're hoping we get a lot of data as well and a lot of information out of these companies. Well, a lot going on with vaccines right now. And I think the question for health industry leaders and communities will be, well, if there's vaccines on the way, do I have to keep you know, wearing my mask and doing social distancing, what should health industry leaders be telling their communities? Yeah, I think this is one of the big concerns is that once we have a vaccine authorized and people start to get vaccinated, that folks don't feel so confident that they are no longer able to be infected or infect others, that they throw away their masks, start throwing indoor dinner parties, going to bars, you know, doing all these things, sort of returning to 2019 life. And that is a big worry because the vaccines that are authorized are unlikely to be 100% effective, right? So there's a good percentage of people for whom these vaccines will not be effective. And so you have sort of a, a percentage chance that if you get vaccinated, it might not work for you. It might not prevent moderate to severe disease, might not prevent you from being infected. And so what we really need is people to be vaccinated and then watch the cases and the virus sort of ebb away while we continue to social distance, continue to wear masks, continue kind of everything we've been doing all along until the pandemic truly ebbs. But one of the big worries is that that won't be happening, that people will sort of take the vaccine as a suit of armor in effect against the virus and and that that could actually sort of turn out to be a break even where if we give up all the non-pharmaceutical interventions, the masking, the social distancing and take the vaccine, they could kind of cancel each other out. And that would be a huge loss to, to the public where we've invested so heavily in the vaccine and really are counting on it to help us move toward getting out of the pandemic and returning to life before it. Well, vaccine development is one part of the story. I think you know that the, the second phase has to include public trust. And there's been some new numbers out there in terms of trust around the vaccine development program and process from communities and the population around the US. What are we seeing in terms of that those trust numbers? Yeah, this is a, this is also another worry is if you make it, will they take it? That question of will even if you have a vaccine that is shown to be safe and effective. If people don't take the vaccine, it's completely useless. And so what we're seeing, many surveys are finding, and in particular, I'm going to talk about some survey findings from the Pew Research Center, that Americans in general are less and less trusting of the vaccine and the vaccine process. And so if you look at May and the percentage of of Americans that said that they would take the vaccine if it was available, in May, 72% of Americans said they would they would take it. And 42% said they would definitely take it. Fast forward to September, you've got just 51% of Americans saying they would take it, 21% saying they would definitely take it. And this is these kind of numbers, this kind of sagging of trust is true of Republicans and Democrats. In fact, Republicans in May were less likely to say they would take the vaccine. And in September, they're even less likely. Democrats, the same story, really. 79% said that they would take it in May. 
58% said they would take it in September. So we see this sort of across the board, people getting skeptical and a little bit wary about the uh, SARS-CoV-2 vaccine as we kind of approach a time when we might get a vaccine authorized. Well, so we're, I think we're, we're going along the pathway here. It has to be developed. There has to be trust. But then the third part is distribution. And I think, you know, it brings up that concept that vaccines don't stop a pandemic. Vaccinations do, which means we need distribution. Anything new on the distribution side? So we have begun to see the beginnings of the vaccine distribution process, which is a complicated, incredibly complicated logistical puzzle that the federal government and the states and private industry all have to work together to make happen. And so what we're seeing recently, we had the uh, Department of Health and Human Services put out kind of the outlines of their plan. And if you had to kind of sum it up, what I would say is that you've got the federal government working with states, a lot like the way that the pandemic response has been to date, where you have a lot of responsibility put on the states to kind of figure out individual plans, sort of enabled by and supported by the federal government with private industry working in there as a distributor. And also, you know, you think about healthcare providers working there as, as part of the whole system. You have all of these three parties working together on distribution. And so we're seeing the outlines of this start to form. A lot, like I said, is put on the states and we might see a lot of variability state to state in terms of how it is set up. But that is sort of what we've seen throughout the pandemic. And so it's not super surprising that this is the approach being taken with the vaccine distribution as well. Well, we have a new PwC report out on vaccine distribution and some thoughts around that. Could you give our listeners just a top line highlights of uh, what they can find in our report. So yes, we have a new paper out about the SARS-CoV-2 vaccine distribution and supply chain issues, of which there are many puzzles to solve. And our paper kind of outlines three challenges, three potential opportunities and solutions, and also um, has broader implications for the pharmaceutical and life sciences industry, which is moving toward modernization anyway. Some of the challenges that we talk about in the paper are the ultra-low transport and storage temperatures that really have never been used for vaccines before that are necessary for a couple of the candidates that we have in the clinic right now, shifting patient preferences and distancing requirements amid the pandemic, some of those skeptical attitudes that I just talked about where people are not trusting, um, how, do you, how do you approach that? And then analytics that right now do not illuminate a 360 degree supply chain view, predict demand or consider consumer preferences. So these are the challenges and the opportunities around this is actually kind of fascinating that you have this question, for example, of needing ultra low temperatures for the distribution of some of these vaccines. And so the truth is that actually there are specialized distribution channels for say gene and cell therapy that kind of match up nicely with this need for the vaccine, this particular vaccines. And so, you know, can those distribution channels be used for that? We talk about that in the paper. We also talk about consumer-centric vaccination models where you're really sort of narrowing down preferences that consumers have about where they want to be vaccinated, how they want to be vaccinated, all of these questions. This requires a lot of vision into what consumers want, particular to their segment and who they are, where they live, and what their health needs are. 
That we talk about in the paper. And finally, we talk about the role of advanced analytics to help predict demand, identify those consumer preferences, and give a sort of real-time 360-degree view into the supply chain. And so these all are kind of wrapped up in our paper and are some of the challenges that private industry is wrestling with right now as we kind of move forward into a time when we have approved or authorized vaccines for the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Well, we're going to dig into into that one probably a bit more in a, in a future podcast. But for those that want to go ahead and, and grab those insights now, you can find it at pwc.com forward slash HRI. And our new report is titled Developing COVID-19 Vaccines May Not Be Enough, Turning Vaccines into Vaccinations. Well, with that, let's wrap it up. Trina, thank you again for joining us today. Thank you. And we uh, appreciate everyone joining us on the Next in Health podcast. This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.